Well, he's really, he's got shit figured out. <laughs> And Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor and Rob McGregor and our tech magician, John Posey. We should have John say that. <laughs> you can go to our website, phenomena111.com, to find out about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. And you can visit our blog at blog.synchrosecrets, where we make uh, regular posts. We have a very interesting guest uh, today from the other side of the world. Dr. Philip Mary has lived in Singapore for 30 years, where he will be speaking to us from uh, today. And Philip has 44 years of experience in training and speaking for major world organizations in 61 countries. He has worked extensively with the United Nations, United Nations over the years. He is a global speaking fellow, recognized for doing substantial global speaking and a certified speaking professional. Philip specializes in cross-cultural leadership and focuses on spirituality and work, happiness, engagement, and team excellence. Philip was the organizer of Singapore's first happiness conference. He is author of The Search for Singapore's Happiest People. Philip is the only person with a grounded theory PhD in synchronicity and leadership and enjoys breaking new ground. He combines his consulting work with doctoral research on leadership, spirit, and synchronicity. Welcome, Dr. Mary. I'm glad I can address you that way because I remember exchanging emails with you years ago when you were working on your PhD on synchronicity. I remember you saying that our book, The Seven Secrets of Synchronicity, was a helpful guide for you at one point in your research. And I believe that's how we met online. Welcome. Philip, if you've been doing this for 44 years, you must have started when you were 12. <laughs> that's a long time. Um, no, I first began, I left university in 1972 when I was, I was born in 1949, so I'm mm -hmm. 70, 70 years old. Where, where so in uh, Britain were you born? Uh, born in Derbyshire. Okay. Um, lived uh, in Devon and London and before settling at the age of 12 years old in Huddersfield in Yorkshire. My parents were ministers in the Salvation Army. And every year, every year they moved us. Ah. So, spent my secondary schooling was in in Yorkshire, and thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, yeah, then moved how, down how, to. How did you end up in Singapore? Good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they said you're going to Singapore, so I got on the plane and went to Singapore, and that was it. Um, I, I was working for Reuters at the time, Trish. Hmm. The, the news as, a as a journalist? 
No, I was leadership trainer okay. for uh, staff in Southeast Asia. So I'd set up the leadership training unit for Reuters in Asia, okay. first of all in Hong Kong, uh, and then we moved um, the training headquarters to Singapore. And I ended up there, and synchronicity, I guess. A lot, a lot of strange things happen, but that—that's how I first came here, Trish. Well, mm, interesting. Now, are you still under lockdown, or is Singapore open? I'm in lockdown until June the second. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, You're smarter but, than we are. <laughs> yeah. Much movement after that, Trish. Um, the only thing we're at the moment we're allowed to go to the supermarket. We're allowed to exercise. Okay. You can uh, go to uh, parks are open? Yeah, yeah. I've got a beautiful park um, just by my apartment here on the Singapore River. Um, huh. So I, I love going there. It's full of artifacts and history. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, but then on June the 2nd, we're allowed parents, uh, children are allowed to visit their parents uh -huh. or, grand or grandparents. Yeah. So that's the, that's the yeah. only change on June the wow. 2nd. Yeah, our parks were locked down, and we didn't like that. I mean, that that didn't seem to make sense because it's uh, it's it's good to get out, it's healthy to get out, and you're least likely to catch the virus in an outdoors uh, situation rather than indoors in an office. So, uh, I'm I was glad when we opened up the parks here. So was our dog. <laughs> yeah, our dog too. Yeah. And the dog park is open finally too. You can still catch it in the park, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Singapore, they've got very nicely laid out various lanes. Okay. So that you because if you run behind somebody, oh yeah, right, yeah, fancy, yeah. then you're That's in danger. That's a good point. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> riding my bike the other day behind somebody, I could smell their cologne. I think, well, I'm, I think I'm too close to this <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, because drop droplets, droplets uh, come yeah. into the air anyway. So yeah, yeah, but I'll be glad when it's all over. I'm really fed up with this but everybody, uh, everybody will be that's for sure and i so, watched i watched the news from the states uh it's that. crazy yeah you see you know the craziness we have here yeah never mind we'll get through it <laughs> yeah okay right. but do you think that collectively we've lost our mind <laughs> that's how it feels sometimes well, it's, just, I, it's crazy because uh, you look all over the world and there are just so many different types of things happening right uh, and i don't want to get into the politics too much in the U.S., but of course, what happens with you really affects the rest of us in the world. So yeah, yeah. I hope you get an even keel after November. Oh, Let's hope, hope so. so. Yeah. So before we get into synchronicity, happiness, and the true nature of the human heart, you mentioned uh, <laughs> that one of your major dreams was to act in a movie with Sean Connery, uh, the father of Indiana yeah, Jones. I know. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite actors, and I. Okay. Went on a seminar someday, and they said, close your eyes. What is it you wish for? I said, I'd like to get a movie with my hero, Sean Connery. Whether it will come true, as you say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's going <laughs> to... Did he hear it? <laughs> he's going to turn you, 90 you, in August, and he hasn't do been you hear doing him much. At all? Do you hear from him at all? No, I don't hear anything from him, no. Oh, okay, I, I just assumed yeah. you... That would be him. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's up there, and I think he's Scott, living in Scotland, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, tell us about the core element or elements of your PhD thesis on synchronicity. Well, what what I mean, as as you see, I've been in the leadership and team business for for a long time. Love helping teams work effectively together, 
Um, and I always like to keep up with things. So in my own life, I notice lots of crazy synchronicities happening. Um, I didn't really even call them synchronicity when they first happened because they've happened all through my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the more I talk to my clients, they also had synchronicities happen to them. And as I just began to look at books and stuff, lots and lots has written about synchronicity in the private space, mm -hmm. hardly anything in the leadership space. Mm. Uh, and so I thought, well, that's interesting. And I just began to inquire even further and said, okay, I need to do a PhD in this and actually begin to now run my business around the issue of synchronicity and leadership. Oh. Now, so, what do you mean by a grounded theory? Grounded theory what? is just a research term, Trish. Um, if you don't do a grounded theory, you do a library research. Okay. Um, oh. But also, because it's something that's not written about, grounded means you begin by interviewing people and oh, then okay. build, build a theory from the ground up. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Cool. okay. As opposed to rely on what people have written. Research, right. Yeah. That's similar to what uh, Bernard Bateman is doing. Or Bateman. Yeah, in, in his latest research. I've just been uh, listening to his session with you. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah. He's, He's a just... great guy. He interviewed me on his show, too, a right. couple of years ago. A couple yeah. of years ago. By the way, Trish, your story in that airport... Isn't that bizarre? Tell me about that. <laughs> I keep looking for insight on this. What I thought as you were all, you know, searching around for meaning, I always look at what's the essence of the synchronicity. So my my um, advice would be to look at the essence of your book and what's it all about. Um, and then look at the situation where it happens. So you're in a situation of terror and of worry and of concern because you're in the airport. The book itself, and I, I actually, 10 minutes ago, I Googled your book, uh, <laughs> and, and I saw it was a novel, but right. I, also, I also saw it said there was this intrepid female detective. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So all, all I would say is look at the essence of the book and look what happened in the situation. So there's something about the uh -huh. essence of the book helped the situation. Yeah, so... Uh, Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I, I haven't that that book was written about 22, 23 years ago, so yeah. I may have to reread it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to uh, just explain what uh, we've been talking about for people who uh, haven't listened to the our interview with Bernard Bateman. Uh, this was a new, very unusual synchronicity we had in Caracas. Uh, uh, Venezuela, right at the airport as we were leaving. It was at a time in the 80s when the Colombian drug mafia was uh, shifting the uh, exportation of cocaine from uh, from Colombia to through Venezuela to get to Miami. And so there were a lot of soldiers, young men, 16, 17 years old, with machine guns standing around, and we had to take all of our stuff uh, that we were carrying. Uh, our carry-on plus our, all of our luggage on this table, open it up, and there was a man next to us, uh, who, a tall man in a three-piece suit, and the only luggage he had was a briefcase. And so somebody, the, the man in charge on the other side of the table, opened it up. And so he carefully unlocked the latches, opened the top, everybody leans forward, looks in, there's only one thing in that briefcase, and it's a novel called Fevered by Trish. 
uh, under a pseudonym called uh, named Alison Drake that she used to write under for a few novels. And so <laughs> we looked and we were so surprised, but we didn't say anything, you know, because we have all these machine guns pointed at us and uh, it, uh, it's just shocking to us. And we didn't know what to say anyhow. And he closes it and they move him on. And, you know, later we thought, oh, that was very strange. The guy had no luggage except <laughs> the church's book. And where did he go? Uh, and so, why was he curing it? And why, why that was, book? Why well, that book? maybe he was reading it. You know, well, but, yeah, no, I know. But, but where, that's the only where, thing was everything, the where was everything else? I mean, <laughs> you see, Trish, the focus, though, should be on you. All I uh -huh. would take as a very simple response is on the front of your fevered front page, it says, a determined lady cop. Mm -hmm. So okay. I would just take I would just take it that it's saying to you that the essence of your writing can make miracles happen. Oh wow! Oh. I like that interpretation. Yeah. Thank you. Because yeah. you're a determined lady cop. Nothing to do with the guy. Uh -huh. it's, it's not right that you run after him because you didn't. All no. it says to you, your writing is so powerful because you're a determined lady cop on the front of the book. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it can make miracles happen. That's yeah. all. That's a, that's, oh, that's a bigger interpretation cool. uh, than mine. Mine was just that that title, fevered, because it was a very fevered environment that we were in at the moment. Uh, and, uh, and but of course, you know, any book called fevered would have would have uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> would have reflected yeah, it. reflected that idea. But uh, then it being well, written but, by but Trish, maybe, of course. Maybe maybe Rob, the fevered environment means that. Trish is guided towards any situations which are difficult and fevered because her, her determination will cause miracles to happen. So uh -huh. if, there's, right. if there's a war somewhere, you'd be good as a diplomat or something, Trish, because uh -huh. your determination can open doors. Uh -huh. I think I'm a little old for that now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I see what you mean. Yes, yeah, so, because hmm. so, everything was perfect. You didn't need to go and talk to the guy. It's about... Right. You are a powerful woman, which we know anyway. But synchron so synchronicity, you see, how did I write this PhD? I noticed that all over the world, as I began to look at this topic, there were amazing things happening that couldn't be described in any other way other than synchronicity. I looked at, for instance, you know, Anthony Hopkins. Uh -huh. He was accepted in 1973 to star in The Girl from Petrovka. Oh yeah, this is a good one. I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. He looked all over London for the book, couldn't find it, and in despair, went to sit down on a bench in a park. <laughs> Next to him on the bench was the book. Yeah, right, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Which, which is not a, a well-known book. Mm -hmm. The even amazing thing was that two years later, when he was starting filming, uh, George Pfeiffer was, was the film director, and um, he, he said that he didn't have a copy of the book because he'd lent it to a friend who didn't return it to him. Hopkins showed him the book and he said, is this the one? And it was. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. And I it was his book. Not only that, uh, but, but he had marked it up, too. Yes. Uh, and of markings <laughs> in the book were there. Were his marks. <laughs> he didn't know how to direct Hopkins. So what I'm basically saying here is that all the time, all over the world, everybody is guided by these crazy, mm. unusual things. And I was interested in doing a PhD because leadership is my area uh -huh. because hardly anything written about synchronicity in the leadership space except by a guy called Joseph Jaworski. I don't know if you know him. 
I know the name. Joseph Jaworski wrote the first book called Synchronicity. His father was the Watergate prosecutor. Oh, okay, that's right, that's the name. Then he wrote a book called Synchronicity. So as I'm looking around and looking at the world, I'm saying, well, it cannot be that when you go into the workplace, you lose your synchronicity. And so I determined then for my own business to just even more and more get into this topic. Hmm. And the best way to do this is to delve into doing a PhD. Um, So I basically did, as you see, a grounded theory where I interviewed people about how synchronicity happened to them and then built a model of definition of synchronicity and what are the facilitating factors of synchronicity. One of the things about synchronicity that we found is uh, that when you do a lot of traveling like you do and you're not in a regular routine, you're in a situation where these synchronicities pop up that happen more often. Have you found that to be the case? That's absolutely the case because what happens, Rob, when you're traveling is your normal paradigms are questioned. Right, yeah. When your normal paradigms are questioned, especially when you're working in different cultures, then you begin to look at the world in a different way and slowly but surely come to a field where synchronicity exists. I was in um, Toronto as I was you know, beginning my PhD uh, and I was gathering books and I was in Toronto just wandering around the town because I'd just arrived from Singapore. Um, and I, or I always kind of go to a bookshop. So I was wandering totally. around. Yeah. I was wandering around looking for a bookshop, <coughs> could not see one. And I can see the street now in my mind, turned right to go back to the hotel. Now, as I did that, a voice as strong as you and I talking to each other right now said, turn around. Hmm. So I turned around in my stupid state, walked <laughs> about 100 meters. There was a bookshop on the corner. Yeah. Wow. The voice said, go to the second floor. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Went to the second floor, and there was a book called Synchronicity Key that actually helped me enormously in the PhD. Mm-hmm. So it's as if in synchronicity, and, and this is still a lot of work to do on this, but I think in synchronicity, we enter an energetic space or energetic field. You just faded out, Philip. Could could you start over that you think that in synchronicity, you faded out? Oh, sorry. In synchronicity, I believe that we enter into a magnetic energetic field where answers to a lot of the questions that we have already exist. Hmm. And synchronicity is about opening yourself or being open to that field. Uh-huh. Well, um, well, are there any synchronicities that you've uncovered during this pandemic? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's a very difficult one, Trish, because mm-hmm. my feeling more than anything is of sadness and pain at the people dying, right. which yeah. is why I get so angry with certain politicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know that there are synchronous people are saying, well, it helps with climate change because now we can see the Himalayas. Right. It's cleaning up the environment in a way that is, is fantastic. And I, I resist the synchronicities because I don't believe or I don't want to believe that something can cause so many painful deaths. Yeah. But, but if I think 
So I don't know about synchronicities. I'm having these. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, when you mentioned being in Toronto and having these synchronicities, it occurred to me that uh, Trish and I took a trip also to Toronto and had synchronicities related to the number 137 and Wolfgang Pauli. And in fact, we were there because uh, Trish is going to be interviewed for, what was the name of the show? Uh, it was Captain Kirk's show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> William Shatner's William show. Shatner's, uh, Shatner's Weirder What. Weirder What, yeah. And uh, related to Wolfgang Pauli, and one of the things was the number 137 was uh, very big in his life. And, uh, and you want to... Philip, well, I, I have a question for Philip. Is your uh, thesis available as a book? Yes, well, I'm actually writing the book at the moment, but the okay. thesis is available. Um, but but let me just come back, though, because the COVID-19, what I think, and I don't know whether this is a synchronicity, but what it is doing is introducing us to talk about death and that we're oh, all going to die. You look at what's happening in all the reporting, Trish and Rob. Have you ever seen an article or a TV show saying, let's talk about death and what it means? No. Yeah, this is unique. Yeah. But But everybody is worried about dying. Mm -hmm. I had a, a brush here in Singapore. Uh, I had a, a cold. I went to the doctor for some syrup, cough syrup. He sent me for my COVID test. And I was terrified. Uh, I have to tell you, I thought I'm going to die as I was waiting for the results. Um, and then I looked around because I was worried about dying or maybe my wife dying, catching it from mm -hmm. me. But it's the, the thing that is on everybody's mind Nobody's writing about it. So I think, and what I did when I came through that, and I did a, a video uh, on it, but uh, what I realized was that it led me face to face with the possibility. The learning for me is I want to live my life from now on. I'm a 70. I still mm -hmm. feel 16 inside. So, so maybe the one synchronicity, which is a very broad synchronicity, Trish, uh, actually maybe there's two synchronicities. One is that it's bringing us to face what death means and therefore mm -hmm. our life. It's bringing us to the reality that we need to cooperate together. And maybe COVID-19 is a rehearsal for what's going to come with climate change, which will be much worse than COVID. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think all of us are having a chance not only to think about death, but about life, but our lives. And you know, That's what I mean, yeah, because the, 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 thinking about death I was led to say, I want to live, and how do I want to live? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's that's a good thing that's coming out of this yes. uh, experience. I think so. Okay. so. It's kind of depressing, though, <laughs> in a lot of ways, because you think, okay, I'm this age, maybe I've got 10, 15 years left, but how many of those years are going to be years where I can actually do something, you know, where you can pursue something? I don't yeah, know. But, but isn't that positive, though, Trish, because... If you realize, I mean, I'm 70. I've probably got, you know, 20, 30 more years left. Who knows? Um, but it led me to really understand what were the important things in life, mm -hmm. which was my wife and letting her know how much I appreciate her because I maybe don't do that enough and our family. Uh, and maybe saying, I want to do more than I've been doing up until now. Mm -hmm. So it shakes us into that. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, no, I don't either. It does help you clarify what you want. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and it came up to, no, my case was nowhere near as bad as any, all the other horrible cases. 
but it did make me think about how I want to live my life. So uh, you did have COVID? Or no, did I didn't. Have okay. Yeah, but I, I spent three days. <laughs> I, won't, I won't swear on, on, on the podcast. I spent three <laughs> days being really worried. And I tell you, when, when the text came through on my phone, I jumped up and down with joy. I've never been so happy <laughs> yeah. uh, as that. So I think to me, synchronicity is the link here. Uh-huh. To about my PhD, you're asking. I mean, for, for me, the question that you sent me, Rob, was synchronicity is a meaningful, a causal, meaning not caused by anything, coincidence, mm-hmm. which provides guidance and direction. And this is the additional thing that I found in my PhD, leaving people with a sense of purpose, reassurance, and this was the important one, a feeling of awe. Yeah. Uh-huh. People experience. Yeah most when these crazy synchronicities happen was, oh my God, how the hell did that happen? Uh-huh. Right. Real sense of awe to, to it being given. Hmm. What did you say besides purpose? Purpose? Feeling meaningful, of, uh, a meaningful coincidence. Uh, meaningful, a-causal. A-causal, meaningful, yeah, not, right. Mm-hmm. Not cause and effect. Right. Providing guidance and direction okay. to yeah. individuals. Mm-hmm. And the other one I could have added was warning. Right, right, yeah. That's the tricky thing. Whether uh, when these happen, is this a is this something that is telling us this is the direction we should follow, or is this a warning not to go there in certain types of synchronicity? So that's go ahead. I think pretty very often pretty clear, Rob. I mean, a very stark one was a woman who was in bed with her husband. The baby was next door, and she had a dream, uh, and the dream was about something falling on the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she went next door to check the baby. The baby was fine, but using her intuition, she took the baby next door to the bed where her husband was. Ten minutes later, an almighty thunderclap mm. broke, which fell on the bed where the baby was. Jeez. Wow. So, so sometimes yes. it can be... Uh, uh, that uh, was a warning, yeah. Wow. Yeah, guidance system. Right. Um, Have you found that some synchronicities fill up are tricksters? Yeah, they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you wrote about that in your book, and thank right. you for your. I did. Re- I did recommend it to so many people. Oh, and by you. the way, your your you your names and uh, the names of your uh, your book is a little paragraph in my PhD. So oh, I'll, cool. I'll listen. Thank you. As as is Bernard, by the way. Uh-huh. And I actually I actually looked today at the book. You and Bernard are on the same page. Oh, that's All good. Right. <laughs> that's nice. that's yeah. great. Well, it was pretty amazing. So. What I'm basically doing since doing the PhD, and again, so many cases personally that happened to me, mm-hmm. uh, my happiness conference, for instance, Rob, which you talked about, um, I was guided to do the happiness conference because so many leaders in Singapore were stressed. Oh, and that's then a, interesting. A friend oh. of mine said, how uh, you need to get Martin Seligman. I don't know if you know Dr. Martin Seligman. Mm. He's the one who began really the happiness movement in, in the States. Oh, okay. President of the Psychological Association in America. Uh, and I thought, now, how the hell do I get hold of Martin Seligman? That was on Tuesday. Wednesday, I was interviewing a client from Australia, and I, sh- I shared what I was going to do around the happiness conference. I said, but uh, I don't know how to get hold of Martin Seligman. Now, remember, this is the very following day. The client <laughs> that I was speaking to said Martin Seligman did a lot of work with us last year. 
here is his personal private email. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So the that's great. I'm that's always what... looking and I encourage people to look around, what is the meaning of what happened? And through the research, I, I basically interviewed a group of 20 women and got their thoughts on what facilitated synchronicity. And then I interviewed six leaders, uh, again, grounded theory research, on what did they think synchronicity was all about. One thing I have noticed is that all of them said synchronicity came very often when they were doing projects mm -hmm. that served other people. Oh, now that's interesting. Huh. So now there's no absolute proof. Right. It began to make me think, and I talk about this in the PhD, there is something benevolent about synchronicities, mm -hmm. meaning that they happen very often in a way which is fortuitous and helpful mm -hmm. for the person experiencing them. Mm -hmm. And so I concluded that there is a guidance mechanism within synchronicity. There is a sense that we're all connected. Mm -hmm. uh, they are very often meaningful. The, the clearest way that I can actually describe synchronicity is through quantum physics. Mm -hmm. right. I was just going to ask you this. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh -huh. quantum physics has been reality for 100 years mm. and got stronger and stronger and stronger. So there are very few physicists who don't say that quantum physics is how the world is organized. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Newton, as you, as you know, basically said we are all matter. Uh, and we are physical beings, and we are logical, and we are rational, and we control our destiny, not God. Whereas what quantum physics is saying is we are energy more than matter. Mm -hmm. yeah. We exist in an energetic field. So I concluded, although you cannot conclude, I surmised that basically quantum entanglement is the way that, that synchronicity is facilitated. Mm -hmm. ah. And it's difficult for people to grasp this, but it, it basically means that when I organize my happiness conference, somehow the thought and idea existing in energy was already there in Martin Seligman's mind. Australian client was a facilitator to bring together energetic thoughts that already existed. So I, I like to say to people who experience synchronicity, what was going on in your life? Right. And specifically, what happened with the synchronicity? How did it occur? Who are the people there? And what do you surmise is the meaning? Now, what people often do, and you two know this because you're, you're masters of synchronicity, what we tend to do is operate, first of all, logically. And very often you can't understand by only acting logically. That's true. Mm -hmm. So I, I ask people, what do you feel this means? And they always have an answer. Oh, really? That's Now that's interesting. Mm. Well, and, and the other thing, Trisha, before I even did synchronicity, I always used to ask people, in, leaders in my, in my uh, workshops, and I'd say, well, what do you think the answer to this is? And they'd say, I've really no idea. <laughs> And then I'd say... What do you feel they, about this? They, they wouldn't have an idea. But then I'd say, okay, I know you don't know, 
But if you did know, <laughs> what would your answer be? And they always have an answer. Huh. Oh. That's interesting. So well, now, when are you going to do one of these conferences here in the U.S.? <laughs> I'd love to go to one of your conferences. Well, I, I mean, I'm actually at the moment uh, really organizing the happiness. I've now done that here in Singapore. What I'm doing now with synchronicity is because I'm the only, and by the way, I'm the only person in the world who's got a grounded theory PhD in synchronicity. So I think I'm ahead of the field. Yeah, and I that's next, great. I next want to organize uh, maybe an online, I'd love a physical conference, but an online one, because I, I think that we haven't explored enough what synchronicity can do mm -hmm. for leadership in yeah, a million maybe. different ways, in a million different ways. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, please put us on your mailing I think list. the political <laughs> leaders could uh, learn some things from you. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's still a magical, a magical thing, which is why I love the, your, your magical uh, title in your, your website. <laughs> Mystical Underground. <laughs> Mystical yeah. Underground, sorry. It's still a magical thing because most people don't believe it. Most, yeah. people, mm -hmm. most people are still stuck with the Newtonian paradigm. Right. And if you're stuck with the most Newtonian paradigm, it's difficult to shift. Uh, only when people get beyond that fear, because literally when you say, if your boss says to you, um, we need to invest in a new project in Cambodia or Vietnam, and you say to your boss, boss, I got the answer. And your boss says, how? And you say, well, I had a dream last night. <laughs> I, I had a synchronicity. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's not there because one amazing story is, um, you know, the place where the nuclear Chernobyl in Chernobyl. Yes. Uh, week before Chernobyl happened, many people in the local community were having dreams and insights that it was about to happen. Yeah. So well, the same thing happened before nine eleven, also. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. New York, yeah. So, so I think, I think, and I, I've got this list of pioneers in my PhD. You're there. Bernard is there. Uh, and so I'm saying I want to give space to um, the pioneers in this field. Anyway, it's just, it's just occurred to me. And this is the first time it's occurred to me. I wrote that in my PhD. I want to work with pioneers in this field. Look what's happened. I've already been interviewed by Bernard. And now you're interviewing. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> it just occurred huh. to me. It's very moment. It so that's, that's a good synchronicity, right? Right there, yeah. I guess, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it might be strange. The, the synchronicities that, that take place during research is what uh, first cued me into synchronicity itself. Uh, when I was working as a reporter, I worked for a reporter for about 12 years, and that's how I actually met Trisha, okay. which is the synchronicity itself. Uh, but... Uh, in my reporting, I would be on deadlines and I would have to put together stories, get sources, find the information. And over and over again, I would it would be synchronicity that I would come upon a bits of information and a lead. And editor, editors were asking me, well, how did you get that? Uh, you know, I said, I don't know. It just it was luck, you know, that, that it came apart, you know, but it happened. At the time, you didn't know about synchronicity. Right, yeah. Though. And I thought it was some kind of psychic ability I had, <laughs> you know, that it was. But, but you see, though, Bob, uh, Rob, uh, and what you just said, Trish, is not true. He did know about synchronicity. Yeah, I guess he did, yeah. He didn't know what to call it. Right. right yeah. He couldn't uh, vote. So, yeah. yeah. 
what, what I'm interested in, I've done the PhD now, so I've got some evidence. <laughs> what I'm interested in the next period of my life is to say to people, you already use this all the time, yeah, but exactly. because you live in a Newtonian organizational setting where this stuff is not accepted, you've put it to one side and just said it's luck, it's coincidence. Uh -huh. And so I'm on a mission, however long I'm given in this beautiful life, to actually encourage people to understand and know there is intuitive synchronicity ability that they have that they're not giving enough credence. Well, that's a good mission. Mm -hmm. That's really, I like that. That's yeah, so, good. So that's, that's basically where I am on, on this. And th that's important to me. So with your mental training that you're working with people, uh, can you, can mental training make uh, you happy in spite of setbacks and disappointments uh, in your life? How do you? How what do, what do you mean by mental training, Rob? Well, you know, just um, your workshops, which are. Well, that's not really meant. I don't know if that mental training would be like math tricks or something. Yeah, I guess. So, so. so where where I why why I say what do you mean? <laughs> As you've seen, by the way, great questions you sent me. I really love the questions. Okay. Uh, what a lot of my work is about is helping people get in touch with their heart uh -huh. first, not their head, which is why okay. right. somebody mental training, because it's more heart training. Um, we now we know through, and you mentioned the Heart Math Organization. Right, yes. They have shown to us by rigorous research over 30 years, and it's a wonderful organization based out of near San Francisco. They've done rigorous research on the role of the heart in the human physiology. Hmm. And, and they have found that it's the heart that instructs the brain and not the other way around. Right. We're about a mission which is about let head and heart work together because in so many situations, people will say, okay, don't talk about your emotions, think clearly, be logical. Right. Mm -hmm. What the next period is about in leadership is about how do you enable heart and head to work together? Because the heart instructs the brain. Once the heart is coherent, and, and heart math, really, if, if you asked what their purpose was, their purpose is to build a world where people have coherent hearts. Because mm. if the heart is coherent, your brain can work much more effectively uh, and efficiently. So in my seminars, you, you asked, Rob, I, I teach those types of concepts to help people move away from fear and stress to heart coherence, which then can guide the brain to the best possible solutions in terms of what they face. What they face. And, and part of their techniques also helps people to open up to intuition, which mm -hmm. also and access synchronicity. Yeah. Do you do you find in your seminars or just in your encounters with people resistance to the idea of of the heart? Um, the kind of thing you were just talking about. Yes, yes, Dresh Trish, because in some people no, but in a lot of people yes, mm -hmm. because people think that heart is about you know fuddy duddy, right. sweet, sweet nice stuff. Now, you look at what the COVID-19 health workers are doing at the moment. Right. They're working with heart. And I don't mean they care for people. 
the very fact that they have the courage to go to work right. is, is about heart. So I'm also trying to help HeartMath. They've been doing this for many, many years. But to help people realize that working with heart is first and foremost about courage and strength. Hmm. And yeah. that's, that's about the courage and strength to love and to have compassion. Hmm. What's great about the heart math people and their research is that it's taken the idea of the heart and emotions, uh, the the importance of the role of the heart, to beyond something symbolic. I mean, for centuries, yeah. people have thought well, about the heart uh, and talked about the heart, having a heart. Uh, but now, now we have the science to support that idea. It's just it's not just symbolic. Absolutely, Robert, and it's specific techniques and research that they have done. They work so much with health frontline, with police frontline, mm. with army, and and, and go look at the website. I mean, heartmath.com. Mm. The in essence, they do help those people who constantly face danger to ensure that as their heart rate gets a bit out of sync as they face these situations, they have techniques to enable them to recover their coherence mm -hmm. after the first situation. So all, all of us need for that specific yeah. You're absolutely right, Robert. It's about, and I think that's the next 20, 30 years, even more than where we are now, helping people understand mm -hmm. this is not some lovey-dovey right. romantic notion. Yeah. Well, maybe this is the thing that takes us you know, into a better era, you know, yes. where we have more equality, where there's not such, where there aren't such disparities. Maybe this is what does it. How, how would how would that happen, Trisha? I'm not quite. Well, thinking. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think. I was thinking at the beginning of this pandemic. I thought, okay, what's gonna, where are we gonna be on the other side of this? Are people going to, you know, be more? Are they going to gain clarity about what they want to do with the rest of their lives? I mean, some people who got to work at home decide they liked working at home and that they don't want to go back to doing what they were doing before, you know, for whatever reason. Things like yeah. that. I, I bet those are heart-centered decisions. Those are those aren't head decisions. Well, I think that's absolutely right. Well, I mean, you look at what's happening in your country at the moment. Do we open up, or do we continue to save lives? Right. That's about economic prosperity mm -hmm. as opposed to staying alive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think those in the global world, in every country, people are facing that at the moment. People have got this urge to open up. Um, but very often they don't think about other people right. who want to open up. So I, I think there's a reshaping going on. And I, I get a lot of, um, when I'm feeling bad, I get a lot of, um, how can I put this, satisfaction from listening to Obama's speeches yeah. and, and watching him with people. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to get too political about this. Yes, other. No, I know what you mean. But he you was know, very calm and even. <laughs> but, but also heart. Yeah, he was heart. also about yeah, heart. I really. work with people and talk with people. So we're looking at a reframing of what's important in the world and in our, you know, national lives. Mm -hmm. And I think we still haven't made up our minds, but, you know. We still have a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but I think it's it's put on the on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe this is the synchronicity about uh, COVID, Trish, as you asked earlier. It's mm -hmm. put on the table. What is the most important to you? Right. Having a good income coming in, or losing your grandmother yeah. or your. Wife? Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. I'm looking at. Yeah. Right. That seems pretty obvious, but to some people it's not. Yeah. So that's that's also going on. Yeah, somebody I was talking to online was saying, well, you know, we can afford to lose actually a couple million people and it really won't have any effect on the on us overall, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a thinking in terms of the economy, I guess. <laughs> well, I heard one person uh, said, well, you know, when we sent people to war in the Second World War, we didn't expect them all to return. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what kind of logic is that? Yeah. Okay being applied to the current situation. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's just, you know, I see, like online, you'll see somebody say, well, I'm not going to be shamed into wearing a mask. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, the mask isn't about you, it's about other people, right? Well, that's the whole point. You wear a mask so as not to infect other people. Exactly. And people, so many people have, haven't kind of grasped that. So yeah. uh, I, I think as we move forward, I think we're going to be, all of us in different countries ending up in different places. But I think it's actually, I think for everybody, looked at and decided what is most precious in your life. Mm -hmm. and if that's a synchronicity, then I'm very happy to have that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Philip, uh, what role does appreciation play in uh, heart rhythm coherence? Heart math coherence. Um, appreciation and gratitude are two of the most important things. But what basically happens when you go through the heart math techniques, which are so finely tuned and designed, <clears throat> you literally access the gratitude and peace of the heart, mm -hmm. literally by breathing, which mm. enables appreciation and gratitude to grow. Because people are so often in stress and in difficulty uh, and these techniques are techniques where you don't have to go to a monastery or right. to a weekend in the wood. In the middle of, let me just have a silly example. Trish, if you were arguing with Rob, which I know you probably never do, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> in the middle of arguing with him, both of you, if you're filled with anxiety and fear and anger, it's a technique you can begin to do in the middle of that conversation and to bring your heart into heart coherence, which then enables you to begin to show positive qualities that will heal the situation. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so powerful. Hmm. Okay, give us an example. Uh, in terms of? In terms of what you were just talking about. You're in the middle of a heated argument, so what do you so, do? So if I'm arguing with my wife, and I can't bear it that she's saying the same old thing over again to ask me to do. I've done it a thousand times. <clears throat> I literally will say to myself, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I ask that question, I will literally, literally as I'm facing her, begin to breathe into the heart. Heart uh, techniques begin with breathing into the heart steadily and slowly. And then when you are beginning to lose the stress and the anger, you then think of a situation where 
it was a really positive experience. When that happens to me, I think of my wife and I on our honeymoon and how happy I felt. Oh, that's uh-huh. good. Yeah, that's a good. As I, as I do, it can be anything. Uh, you might think of your child or whatever, but as you begin to remember, still with your eyes open, that situation, you begin to access a peace and a calm where the heart itself, and this is a physiological thing, when you're in anger and stress, your heart is not in coherence. Mm-hmm. Your variability is jumpy and all over the place. But when you begin to breathe into the heart, you begin to be coherent and your heart rate variability is a steady variability, a steady rhythm. And that then releases into your body situation, peace, feelings of peace and appreciation and gratitude. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Situation. That's why it's so powerful. Because you yeah. don't go to a monastery or a weekend. Or a retreat or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, we need things on the go. Philip, um, you live in a city-state in Ireland where the majority of the people are Buddhists. I think 60%, I looked it up. What is the Buddhist perspective on happiness? Is it a goal? And on synchronicity. Yeah, is it a goal worth uh, achieving or a passing emotional status yeah. that uh, takes us away from peace of mind? This is a tough question. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough question. I mean, Buddhism is, a, is obviously a popular and important religion. And I don't they talk specifically about happiness. They talk about equanimity. Yeah. Means being peace of mind. And I think they link happiness to having peace of mind, which is about detaching yourself from craving. Yeah. Now, that's I think what Buddhism's about. But then you ask me about Singapore. Singapore I've been here 30 years, and Singapore is the most wonderful place in, in terms of material development and advancement. Hmm. So you got me thinking, Rob, is it wrong to want material success? And if I ask myself, I really enjoy my car. (laughs) I really enjoy my apartment. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy my computer. Is Is that wrong? Now, so I basically, I think the Buddhist would say, no, it's not wrong. But being attached to it mm-hmm. as the most important thing is not going to give you happiness. Because I think it's okay to want stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this, this argument goes back to the Greeks, Rob, because there are, they identified two types of happiness. One is eudaimonic and one is hedonistic. Hedonistic was wanting things for the sake of enjoying the pleasure of having them began with the Greek philosopher Aristippus, who said that the main object in life is to have good things and have good feelings and experiences. Hmm. And um, Aristotle disagreed with that and said, no, happiness is not about just being happy in the moment. Happiness is about looking at your life and saying, am I content with how I'm living my life and particularly uh, implementing service to others. Hmm. So it my life a sense of meaning. And I think very often in today's world, we're stuck between these things. We want more and more material stuff, and we've lost that ability to live a life of meaning. 
Because happiness isn't about having more and more wonderful experiences. To me, happiness is about living a life of meaning which makes sense to you in terms of you progressing yourself. Right. So being of service to other people. Hmm. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Hey, John. Hey, uh, so have you ever looked at the impact of social networking on that pursuit as far as how that influences what people are actually pursuing and what what they're interested in, keeping in up with the happiness. Joneses, in other words? Uh, hey, yeah. Yeah. You're talking to somebody who hardly buys anything online. Uh, okay. <laughs> and doesn't play any games, but I think it determines. It's it's determined by what's your mindset as you're going online. Some of my most profound and helpful things, and synchronicities, by the way, have come as I pursue book after article after book after person, which leads me on a way to happiness. I'm just doing a, a seminar at the moment which has given me great happiness. But if I spent all of my time searching websites to buy stuff, mm-hmm. it would be crazy. Well, mm-hmm. and, but I mean, in particular, like with Facebook, Instagram, the, oh, the social yeah. networks, where, yeah. where, where people are absolutely <clears throat> creating a reality by posting just the highlights of their life and how that impacts people, their friends, and you know their contacts on those networks yeah. where they're not seeing the bad stuff; they're just seeing the good stuff, for the most part. It you know that's that's an over generalization, but but how that impacts how we we even see each other because we're 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 not really we're not really seeing the real person; we're seeing what they present to us, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's a great question because you know we all love Facebook because we're in touch with people, particularly at this time, it gets us that human mm-hmm. connection. But then, as you're absolutely right, oh, sorry, I've forgotten your name again, sorry. John. John, I was going to say John. You're absolutely right, John, because people present how they like to be seen, not necessarily who they are when they're on Facebook. Uh, and I always look at the first statement somebody makes in a particular conversation. Um and I'm thinking, am I, is this the right person? Is this, <laughs> is this who they really are? And I think particularly at the moment, I mean, I've grown so tired of the conversations about who started this, where did it start, who's got the best point of view, what does COVID mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I say to myself, stop. There's now 100,000 people in the U.S. dead. Yeah. yeah. Who the hell cares about where it came from? And I think you're right, John. On Facebook, it can sometimes get us caught up with our debating skills <laughs> as opposed to who we think we really are, which is why, and I think that being vulnerable and being authentic is absolutely crucial. When COVID-19, it was a small thing. I, I didn't have it, but I was scared stiff when I was waiting for the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I thought, what if I die? What if my wife dies? And then I looked around at the whole of social media. There is nowhere that talks about death. Yeah, that's fascinating. Mm. Well, maybe I, we need to change that, guys. <laughs> well, I, I went up to the park opposite where I go walking, and there's a little graveyard there, and I did a little video um, on death. And mm. I said, what 
what's happening is this word you are all thinking about, but nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about it. And it's death. And within two or three days, I got 2,000 views. Wow. Wow. But, but nobody commented. Nobody? Mm. No, they just ticked, which is great. I don't mind. They ticked. They thought it's significant. But still nobody talked about it. And for the three of you, have you seen an article or a TV discussion on what is death all about? No. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we need to write it, Rob. Yeah. You should. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah but sometimes, you know, you, you, you hesitate writing stuff because the, just the word is depressing to other people. But you're right. I mean, it shouldn't this, be. It shouldn't no, be because shouldn't be. what it did for me, as Rob said earlier, it made me think I want to live. And as I went around, and maybe this is a synchronicity, Rob, I, I, I went up to the cemetery and the, 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 the cemetery stones are on the wall. So you can actually see what was said. Hmm. Um, and I, they all talked about, you know, missed by your friends, dearly loved, et cetera, et cetera. And then there was one stone I saw, and you can see this on my LinkedIn, one stone I saw which said, uh, wishes to Fred who lived a great life, particularly a life of active usefulness. Mm -hmm. well, that's and as I saw that, I said, that's what I want to do. We're all going to mm. die someday, so there's no point talking about it. But thinking about death lets me know how I want to live. Yeah. And I decided then. I want to live a life of active usefulness. Huh. Here's an interesting story related to uh, uh, an epitaph. Uh, I, uh, my mother died in June 15th of uh, 2017, and uh, I was given the opportunity to put an epitaph on her gravestone. And uh, so I said, I put on there, until we meet again. And my sister looked at that and she said, what did you put that there? What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> why Why was she upset with that? I don't know. She just thought it was Maybe she, just wasn't, she doesn't believe in reincarnation. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> or afterlife. But I, but I think you're right, Rob. Only my American friends don't like to tell me how old they are on their birthday. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I've noticed this a lot as well. No. Oh, okay. Having a birthday is better than the alternative, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but then, Rajan, it depends if you believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Well, fair, I, enough. I, fair enough. But I, in this life, it's better than the alternative, for sure. But, well, but, again, I, go ahead. I'm, I'm hesitating. Mm -hmm. I'm hesitating, though, John, because, you know, if, if reincarnation is true, and I think it is, by the way, mm -hmm. and each life, we come into this world with a theme, something to improve, something to do, which we carry over from the previous life, which is, by the way, I think where synchronicities come in. Synchronicities can often keep you on the path that you're right. supposed to be on to fulfill Absolutely. this. Thing. So well, if you know you're going to live again, yep. if you know you're going to live again, then what's there to worry about? Yeah, well, or, or well, unless you don't feel like you've finished what you've set yeah. out to do here, and uh, and the other thing I wanted to throw in as far as back to the social network thing and every and all that, that is the one time where I think people get very, very honest when it comes up on social network, when they've lost, when they lose a, 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 a child or a parent or an aunt or an uncle, that is the one time you see them for real yeah. on yeah. the network. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... Yeah. 
because there's nowhere for him to hide at that point. It's raw emotion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm always surprised when I see people talk about, uh, you know, their health when they're in the hospital on Facebook. Uh, It kind of surprises me uh, that people put that stuff up. Uh, They have pictures of themselves on oxygen. One person had a foot thing with a very foot turned black, part of the foot turned black, and he kept putting pictures up there. That is very strange to do that. <laughs> I guess that's just, you know, when you're in that state, you want to express how you feel uh, and show it. But, but isn't that really the point of all living? Everybody wants to be seen. Right. Which is, it's a great question that John has because Facebook allows us to be seen, we think. But mm-hmm. it actually doesn't allow us to be seen because we don't often reveal who mm-hmm. we actually are. Yeah. And it's only in those those moments, John, you're right, John, when we're looking at facing death that, that it actually happens. And I, I you you asked me the, the, the last question there, how do I advise people to live a more heart-centered life? Right. In my research, because that came up in, in the PhD, um, they gave me a variety of words, which I then distilled down into a set of words which they were talking about, that how you access and encourage synchronicity is to have intention, right. meaning to want something that it is you want to do, to, to access source, whatever you consider source to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the people I interviewed said that a, a higher operating principle, one person called it, God or whatever you want to say it is, your grandparents, your grand, uh, your ancestors, authenticity, being yourself, vulnerable and being yourself, somehow opens up the pathway to synchronicities happening. Um, love was there, courage was there. And then I got all these words all jumbled up. And then when I looked at them again, I said, how do I present this? And all the words come down to the acronym CLASSIC. Of what? To the word classic. Oh, classic. Hmm. Courage, love, authenticity, source, intention, uh-huh. and commitment. So That's... I didn't look to make an acronym, but when people ask me, how do I begin to, uh, to attract to me these guidance synchronicities? What qualities do I need to live my life? So if, if your folks, if they're interested, remember the word classic. You need, the, uh-huh. you need the courage to make yourself vulnerable. Right. You need love to share with other people. Authenticity, you need to be yourself. Source, wherever this guidance comes from, there is a source. Uh-huh. You need to intend what you want. And when the guidance comes, and this is the tough one, people ask for synchronicities. And when they come, they hesitate. And when you hesitate, the moment is gone. Right. So the sixth quality of commitment uh, is an important one, too. What was the second S? Classic is source. Yeah, but source isn't classic spelled with two S's? Maybe I'm misspelling it here. <laughs> oh, my God. I sometimes put synchronicity in there, uh, but source is I, I, I give myself permission to misspell, misspell Trish. Oh, okay. <laughs> and... and and I sometimes just put synchronicity in there. So courage, love, authenticity, access to source, mm-hmm. intention, or intuition can be either, mm-hmm. and commitment. So I, 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 at the end of my seminars, I actually say, 
where in your life do you need to show more courage? Hmm. I've been stuck in this job for a while and I'm not sure, but the play is good. With love, where in your life are you refusing to acknowledge love? Mm-hmm. Authenticity, where in your life are you not being yourself? Probably as John would say when I go on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Source, where are you not accessing a source outside of yourself? Hmm. Five, intuition. Are you not listening to that voice in your head? And six, even though you've had a synchronicity happen to you, how come you're not committing to do mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I, I, my intention with this whole thing, Trish and Rob and John, is to take synchronicity out of the academic field. Right. Yeah. To actually right. say, yeah. this is something to live by. Mm-hmm. Into the work field. Profession. And into Oh. Interesting conversation, folks. I did. I did. Oh, re- yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Philip. Uh, Philip, you have to come back on. <laughs> really, really appreciate uh, all your comments. Great. I'd like to just finish with this. Uh, you sent us uh, seven values, which uh, which I found interesting that you use in your life and your talks. I mean, I'd just like to read the state these as we go off. One is no matter how difficult the circumstances things will always work out. Two, the environment is a friendly place that will provide support. Three, physical needs and safety are as important as spiritual needs and will be provided for. Four, humans are more than just rational creatures and can access an internal guidance system. Five, when you are focused on a vocational calling that includes helping others, uh, somehow the world helps you along even more strongly. Six, there is a sense of timing in life which will help you out at the exact point that you need it. And finally, seven, there can appear out of the blue guardian angels who will help you out just when you need them. Thank you very much. That's a great, it's a great creed to live by, those seven values. Well, I've been very happy to talk to the determined lady who can create (laughs) who can create miracles in fevered situations. Okay, I've I've got to go find a fevered situation now. (laughs) You folks have been my heroes for such a long time, and I I love the books that you've written. So thank you very much for inviting me. I've been very honored. And John, nice to meet you too. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for coming on. Put us on your mailing list so that we know when you do your... I will do. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. Take care, Philip. I know. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.
So this week it's Trisha's birthday, so send her some birthday wishes. And also I need to mention that it's my parents' 52nd wedding anniversary. Not sure how they survived getting me out of the house, but 52 years later, and they're still together, congratulations and stay mystical.